1: Cox bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply.
0: There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, and the truth. Well, may we say God save the Queen? Because nothing will save the governor yet. I photograph what my conscience asks me to. Uh, you bet you are. Uh, you bet I am. Uh.
1: We're going to fight for those Australians who haven't got the time to go around and get on Twitter and wear t-shirts. I will not be lectured about sexism and
0: misogyny by this man. I will not. G'day and welcome to The Curve. My name's Andrew Pearce and this is the podcast that's all about culture, unity, reviews and banter. This podcast is proudly recorded in the lands of the Wajak people of Perth region and I pay respects to the Elders both past, present and emerging. Uh, this particular episode's a fairly special episode. Um, every so often you get a an interview request or a press release or something like that that really kind of uh, sparks your interest and you certainly just need to rush along and talk to that person or uh, cover that particular subject. And this particular uh, press release or rather an interview opportunity that came into my lap, uh, I simply could not turn down at all. And it is... The ability to talk to a mayor in America, Mayor Eugene W. Grant, who is a fantastic person in Seat Pleasant in Maryland. And I originally received the request to talk about COVID-19 and the measures that he is putting in place for his district to help prevent uh, COVID-19 taking place and to also do tests as well and as the scheduling took place uh then the current events that are taking place the riots and uh, the protests that are taking place in america right now started to unfurl and so the discussion changed a little bit and fortunately enough i was given a great amount of time to be able to talk to the mayor about what is going on in his district and what is going on in america to today uh i'm i'm Very, very grateful that I was given the opportunity to be able to discuss COVID-19, the protests and the future of America with somebody who is making a change take place. It's something that makes me very proud to be able to share his message as well. And hopefully as you listen to his interview, you'll be able to understand that the importance of sharing the truth, of amplifying the truth and Uh, Sharing unity as well is vital for a united progressive future for the world. I won't take much more time up other than to say I highly recommend heading over to his Facebook page and uh, following his work there I'll put a uh, link in the show notes and also heading over to his Twitter as well where you can see his work and his involvement and engagement with his community through videos and discussions that take place on both of his social media platforms I highly recommend it for now let's jump into the interview with Mayor Eugene W Grant
1: I was born by the Good morning. How are you doing? Excellent, thank you.
0: How are you? Great. Yeah, thank you very much for uh, for taking your time to talk to me. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. So how are you doing at the moment? I understand that things in America are a little bit um, fractious at the moment uh, is probably the the politest word that I can use to to describe the situation. How are you dealing uh, with everything right now, being a a leader of of an area?
1: Uh, Well, we are uh, maintaining to the best that uh, we can. These certainly are trying times. Uh, For those of us in the United States, and in particular the African American community, 13% of the US population seems to be under siege uh, by individuals with nefarious intentions to bring and inflict harm upon segments of the population, in particular African American men. There has been a history in this country where men and women of African descent have endured the inflictions of persecutions and sufferings, and man's inhumanity towards man. And the recent event seems to have brought about uh, a lot of attention uh, because what has occurred uh, in this country uh, in Minnesota. And, and so it is it's certainly disheartening that some uh, body's mother is grieving. Some sister has lost her brother. Some daughter or son has lost their father. And this continues to happen. And we see here in the United States with the protests that are going on, as well as the solidarity of members of the human family around the world who are also joining in protesting against these atrocities that have occurred and are occurring. And, and so, yes, they're trying times, but they're also uh, times of opportunity. We can move forward now and make certain uh, that our brother's death is not in vain, but that we can take this as an opportunity to sit down at the table of brotherhood, at the table of peace, to exchange thoughts and ideas, and to come up with the solutions, that is mutually beneficial to all sides. I think that everyone has a right to voice their concern uh, on both sides of the aisle. Meaning, those whites who may have certain fears. Well, let's discuss what those fears are. Why do you have those fears? What are those fears about? What are they born out of? And uh, how can we work to fix uh, that? We don't. We don't want. We don't want uh, uh, white women to. Clutch their pocketbooks when a black man enters an elevator. We don't want uh, white men to be fearful that something is going to happen to them. We don't. We don't want that. That's not the kind of relationship that we want. We're all members of the human family, but we also don't want uh, the problems that we see in the African American community, uh, with uh, black businesses unable to secure loans and uh, the redlining in communities and the, over-proliferation of these check cashing facilities uh, in uh, these uh, poor communities that take a large percentage of your check uh, because of the unbanked uh, or the underbanked in the community, and they have to rely upon going to these uh, services to get a check cash. They're already poor as is, and if you're taking 12% from their check to get cashed at these cashing centers, you're, you're exacerbating an already uh, volatile situation in people's lives. And so we, we don't want that. We, we, we want uh, student debt forgiveness. We, we, we want the ability for people to be able to purchase the American dream, their home. Uh, we, we want to be able to have affordable health care. Uh, and so those are issues that have to be addressed uh, for the poor in the community. So those are the things that are, uh, are, are on our mind uh, right now. So it is not just the fact uh, that uh, our brother was uh, assassinated killed uh, in before our, our very eyes is it, it, it is all of that which is associated uh, with his murder that we are addressing
0: it is it is such a big thing to undertake and and thank you again so much for taking the time to to talk to me uh, all the way in Australia because this is this has become a global issue. It has become a global problem. Certainly, in Australia, we are the same problems with police brutality are facing the First Nations people of Australia, and we have protests that are, are coming uh, this particular weekend in uh, response to the protests that are occurring in America. And um, I'm curious for you, as a mayor uh, and, and a leader for your community. Uh, during a an already fractious time with with a pandemic taking place, um, which was what we had intended to talk about today, the the, uh, the the things that you have put in place to help those in your community with COVID nineteen. How do you keep a level head, and how do you uh, ensure that you are the beacon that you need to be for your community? How do you stay um, hopeful in yourself?
1: Yeah, uh, for me, it is. Indicative of being a leader that you have to have faith, that no leader or no one should be in a position of leadership, no matter what it is, no matter how big or how small uh, or what the organization looks like. If you're the leader of that organization, it is important that you have faith. Now, for me, it's more religious-based faith, but just faith in general. There's some people who may not be very religious, uh, but even just the concept of faith, uh, Leaders have to have that because if you don't have faith and if you don't have hope, then what are, what are you leading? Why are you leading? Uh, because your, part, your participation as a leader is putting you in a position to take people where they've never gone before, to cause them to be introduced to new concepts and new ideas and new realities that they never even would have imagined. And so this becomes uh, critically important uh, for any leader uh, to be in uh, that position to, uh, maintain their faith in what it is that, uh, they do and, um, give hope to be hopeless.
0: That's, that's a difficult thing to do. It is. And, and I'm, I, I am grateful I'm not in your position because I, I know that that would be hard to be tested. Um, but you have a track record of, of helping everybody so, um, wonderfully and so, intimately and I've watched your videos and, and being uh, seeing you uh, be part of your community and really get your hands in it and helping people and be a, a tangible positive beacon for everybody in the community. And I, I applaud you for, for that. Um, uh, let's talk about the, the COVID-19 plan that you have in place that is going to help uh, people who aren't getting the help that they need. What is, what is this plan that you have uh, to help everybody out and, and, and how is it intended to help the community at large?
1: Well, uh, first, thank you for, um, and I did not say that at the onset, thank you for acknowledging uh, C-Pleasant. I was in Australia last year for the Smart Cities Conference where I spoke in uh, such a beautiful country and looking forward to when this is all over with to being able uh, to do that uh, again. We look at our approach, if you will, from a three-pronged strategy, Uh, preparation, uh, prevention, and preservation. Preparation, prevention, and preservation. And so in terms of the preparation, you know, creating plans, uh, engaging, uh, educating, and empowering our residents so that they can Address the COVID nineteen uh, pandemic uh, at the grassroots level or in the individual home level. So, making certain that we are connecting our residents with those uh, items like your your hand sanitizer, and soap, and water, and uh, uh, the face masks, and, and 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 those kinds of things that help boost the immune system. Your your vitamin C's and and those kinds of things. So. Preparing our community uh, with regard to that. If we we have to close facilities, if we have to uh, shut down areas like the parks and the apparatuses in the parks, like the playground equipment, et cetera, those are things uh, uh, in terms of of, of, of preparing uh, for this. And then the prevention side is a lot of education. Um, in in knowing how this uh, pandemic uh, is spread and then putting safeguards in place uh, to prevent uh, the spread uh, of it. So a couple of things that we're working on is uh, doing testing. Uh, Testing is critically important. Uh, We need to know what the status is. You hear the HIV community, the AIDS community talk about know your status. Well, that's what we're saying. You need to know your status. That's how um, this virus needs be addressed with regard uh, to uh, preventing individuals from having it, or if they uh, uh contracted the, the virus, what do they need to do in order to try to survive as best that they can, even though we know that there are no vaccines against it uh, at this time. And so the goal the- is what's important. Now, we have run into roadblocks, obviously, uh, with the type of testing we want to do. We want to do serology testing, uh, rapid testing. Um, and so that the serology testing is just the ability uh, to like prick your finger and draw a little bit of blood uh, and, and, and to use that blood to test to see whether or not you have the virus currently, or if you've ever had it, based upon the company that we would like to uh, work with. The, the problem is that the FDA, Federal Drug Administration, is not allowing this testing right now in the community. It's a very affordable testing. Uh, unlike the ubiquitous PCR test, the uh, PCR test is very expensive. It costs a lot of money uh, to do that testing. How will the poor be able to do that? Then you have to have a doctor's uh, note in order. How can the poor uh, get to a doctor when they don't have health care? Uh, these are issues that are are in the way and impeding the progress of success in fighting uh, this uh, virus in in our community. But the serology test or the rapid testing is is critically important. It's inexpensive. It's almost like a a female who does the pregnancy test or somebody who has diabetes uh, to do their uh, glucose glucose, uh, check, uh, just a prick of a little bit of, of blood And then you do that testing and you get instant results there. And now, if if the test comes back positive, we can always advance that individual and say, look, you need to go and get the full test done, which is the PCR test. The PCR test takes Think about it. When the United States really fully got an idea of what this virus was, uh, because people were getting sick and we didn't know what it was, we really found that out maybe, let's say, January, February is when we started realizing that this may be a form of COVID, of the coronavirus. Then you went into lockdown around March. So let's take from March, I think it was around March 3rd, somewhere thereabouts, Let's take from March 3rd to June 3rd, all right? So that's three months that you've been uh, in lockdown for the, for the most part. Well, now that we actually know what we're dealing with, and we actually know that it survives very well in the cool, cooler uh, temperatures, you're talking about people are going to be infected much earlier, uh, as was the case this past year, but we didn't know what it was. We didn't, we didn't define what the sickness or the illness was. And, and so now that we know what it is, you're talking about, let's say, first part of November. So now you have November, December, January, February, March, April, May. That's a potential seven months of lockdown. If you're going to have people locked down for about seven months, you're talking about a lot of people. Millions of Americans are going to be adversely impacted by this, from the loss of more loss of jobs, to more loss of businesses, people are going to be in desperate situations. These are the kinds of things that I'm saying that is, makes it very important for leaders to be in the front line, really advocating and fighting for resources to come into their community, to get individuals tested, so that we can get a handle on this thing early.
0: So what can we do to help you? What, what measures can we do from afar and in America as well? Uh, what can we do to help you make sure that this happens? I think it's critically
1: important uh, for those of you that are in the media to continue to tell the truth, continue to put uh, the truth out there. Um, in the United States, as you know very well, uh, the First Amendment to the Constitution talks about that free press. It's important that the press is free to tell the truth, not to hide anything, not to sugarcoat anything, but get that truth out there in the public domain so that we, as a community, can really begin to do something about addressing this uh, problem. Uh, I I really can't stress that uh, enough. Keep the light, keep the attention on it. Continue to do the investigative reporting. When you hear something, don't just go by what is said. Dig into it a little bit deeper, because sometimes it's not always what is said. Sometimes it's what's not being said. And sometimes the people in power, uh, you know, they're hiding the truth. It helps us to get the message out to the community, the importance of what we are dealing with. This is a pandemic. Think about it, my friend. You're talking about a pandemic that there is no cure for. You're talking about a pandemic that there is no vaccination uh, to help reward you against. That's what you're talking about. And Dr. Fauci has already said, you're, you're lucky if you can get a vaccine in a year and a half. And he said that's pushing it. You still got to go through the trials, the clinical trials, the human t- trials you still got to go through all of those trials to make certain that you have the right vaccine. So this thing is not going anywhere anytime soon. So we have to be on top of it and we need you all to keep the pressure on the United States government to tell the truth.
0: That that is that is perfect. Yes, it is. That's correct. And we we do and from afar and from near uh the truth is very very vital and important um i'm taking up a lot of your time and i'm really grateful for that because i i think this is everything that is currently going on in the world right now everybody is looking at america and seeing a country in turmoil and we all uh, my heart goes out to america i love america i've visited a few times and and my heart i i love it it's a beautiful country with beautiful people um but I see you as a leader who is addressing systemic issues that are facing American politics and American society as a whole. Uh, and I'm, I'm fascinated by this idea of the smart city and I'm fascinated by how you are using that to implement major change in your district. Um, can you talk about that just briefly as well, before uh, we wrap up? Cause I've taken up a lot of your time and I greatly appreciate that mayor. I, I really do
1: yeah so I think that uh if we really really want to understand uh smart cities uh, and and as we give lectures around the world there 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 are two words in particular uh, it's really three but there's two words in particular that I want people to make to, and they pay attention to and it's connectivity and data those are that those are the hallmarks of really what a smart city is all about uh, the connectivity in terms of not just the, the networks and the 5Gs and, and, and all, of, all of that is critically important because you need that for your Internet of Things and, and all of those uh, uh, pieces of apparatuses to help you to uh, capture data. But the connectivity as human beings, what are we doing as human beings to connect with one another, to share information or data with one another to help improve the outcomes of our lives as human beings? I think that's critically important. That uh, when, like if, when you're planning out a community and you're, you're building trails, well, that's a form of connectivity. You're building parks. That's a form of connectivity. You're creating shared spaces. That's a form of connectivity. So everything is not just about the technology itself. It is about the connectivity. Now, if we're connected with one another, if we're sharing with one another, then that is the way that we can get information. Uh, to the masses of the people, whether you have technology or you don't have technology, <coughs> excuse me, that is how you are going to be able to really get information to people to help save lives. And so our Smart Cities platform is about ensuring that we are connected with our residents. That's why we created a public engagement department whose sole and primary responsibility is to really keep the government itself focused on a citizen-centric government that is delivering delivering quality services that are efficient and effective uh, to uh, its constituency. That is uh, critically important. And the fact that we are able to capture data. And uh, and the quicker the data we can get in, the more real-time data we can get in, the better that we can do some analyzation of that data, analyzing that data to prescribe, I mean, to uh, describe what the challenges are, and then using that data to prescribe a solution for that, and then using that data to begin, all of that data, to begin predicting into the future uh, problems that might arise, and if we have this data to help us to do that, then we're in a better position to help serve the people. That's what it's all about. That's what we're in this business for. As elected officials, we're in the business of serving people. That is our core business. Our core business is about people and how we serve people. People first, citizen-centric. This government is not my government. I am not a Lord, I am not a king, I'm not a monarch, I am not a dictator, this is not a fascist government, this is not a totalitarian government. This is a government of for and by the people. I represent them, I represent their interests, and it is my responsibility to do it in the most effective and efficient manner possible to our constituency.:
0: Mayor, yeah, that is beautiful. it 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 is what i need to hear uh and i wish i heard more from leaders around the world not just from my own country but from all countries i think that uh leaders definitely need to take that perspective and remember that they are there to serve the people and there to look after them and care for them and i think right now in this time that is something that we desperately need so thank you for that message um it means a lot. It really does. Uh, especially coming from Australia where, you know, we, we have been fortunate with the COVID-19, but unfortunately we do have a, uh, right leaning government and, you know, right or left, it doesn't matter, but, um, it's difficult at times to see a, a positive light in the future, but hearing somebody like yourself talk gives me hope and gives me inspiration and makes me feel it's going to be okay. You know uh there are people like you out there who are pushing for a positive future, and I know that it's it's probably very hard for you uh, at this time uh, to be a leader right now, but you are you are leading in the best way possible and I applaud you for that um yeah i I, I really do so thank well, you thank very much for your time yeah
1: yeah, thank you so very much. We greatly appreciate it our prayers continue. I know that you're recovering from those fires. Uh, that happened over there. You know, certainly we we were praying uh, for you all and sending best wishes uh, through uh, that whole ordeal and situation. And uh, I'm looking forward to a return visit.
0: Yeah, we would look forward to having you back here as well, Mayor. It has been a, a real pleasure to be able to talk to you. And I hope that you stay safe and your community stays safe and you keep on being the leader you are because we need more people just like you.
1: Likewise, my friend. Thank you for all of your work. And we look forward to talking to you again.
0: Likewise. You have a beautiful day, okay?
1: Thank you.
0: Take care. Okay. That right there is the generous and kind Mayor Eugene W. Grant from Seat Pleasant in Maryland, United States of America. Uh, I'm genuinely touched to be able to talk to somebody as wise and smart as and, and kind-hearted as he, and I believe there's a lot to take from what he has just talked about in the changes that are currently going on in America, uh, the future of smart cities in America as well, uh, the need for further testing for COVID-19 in America. As he stated, there is a billion tests that need to be taking place in America, and the FDA is not allowing that to occur right now. All the while, there are massive protests of inequality and the need to recognize that Black Lives Matter in America. This is all vitally important, and I am honored to have been able to spend some time talking with a leader in America in a time where change is really taking place and i am certain that change for positivity and hope is going to take place and once again as i mentioned at the the top of the episode i highly recommend heading over to uh, the mayor's social media feeds and following him on there as well uh his community responds to him in kind and he is generous and supportive of them and i believe that his uh the the Ability to change his community for the better by making it a smart city is going to be a great one. So, yes, I think there is a lot that the world can learn from somebody like Mayor Eugene. And hey, hopefully uh, you got something from this. Um, And if you're in Australia, as I mentioned during the interview, there are protests taking place around Australia to recognise the... Uh, police brutality against First Nations people here in Australia, and to also support the Black Lives Matter movement in America, and to support uh, those who have lost their lives, the deaths in custody, those 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 people who should not have died. Those protests are taking place. Please attend if you can, uh, and if not, it is vitally important to be able to support. Financially, uh, different groups around the world for legal aid and also for aid in medical or uh, food or just utensils to help with the protests. These are really, really essential times that we're facing. Uh, and certainly in Australia, there are ways you can support uh, people and in America, there are ways you can support as well. I highly recommend um, seeking out black voices on Twitter, on Facebook, and seeing where you can financially support and amplify voices as possible. Look, I've talked a lot. Um, Usually, at this point, I would plug everything and say, hey, follow us on social media and all that kind of stuff, but I'm not going to do that. I just want you to notice and recognize the importance of what is occurring in the world right now and to amplify the voices that need to be amplified and to support and care for those that need support and care. Black Lives Matter, people. Black Lives Matter. Roll up your sleeves And face the
1: face that's looking right back E
0: Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzcastNetwork.com for
1: details.